was an unlikely but colourful novel I had bought in the Guerre de Lyon two days earlier by an Englishman named Forster. It was a year since Holmes and I had watched Bombay fade behind us. Almost exactly a year come to that. Seemed like a decade. And I'd bought it thinking that Forster's passage might remind me of the pleasanter aspects of our trip. Instead, I was finding the plot increasingly difficult and after another chapter I closed the covers on Dr. Aziz and the criminally ridiculous Adela to pick up the other volume, A Melancholy Old Friend. What is it about Oxford that puts one in a poetical state of mind? One would think that a long-time resident like me would grow inured to Oxford poetry, if for no other reason than the sheer volume of the stuff. Every undergraduate and most tourists, who walked through one of her doors, found it necessary to sit down and compose verse about the experience, all of it romantic and most of it twaddle. But still, in private moments, Matthew Arnold crept under my guard. Who would not wish to be a scholar gypsy, leaving the safe walls? This strange disease of modern life, with its sick hurry, its divided aims— to learn the eternal secrets of the gypsies like some latter-day Merlin? Which of us had not deliberately chosen to return to the city by way of Boar's Hill, in hopes of glimpsing one of the few remaining views of the city below, and thus be given an excuse to murmur Arnold's enchanting phrase, And that sweet city with her dreaming spires, she needs not June for beauty's heightening. I sighed and squinted at the pub's rain-streaked window. Not much of June's beauty heightening today. Were it not for the pull of Oxford, less its dreaming spires than its comfortable bed and waiting fire, I would have taken a room here and ordered another pint of the man's very decent beer. Instead, warm through and well-fed, I paid for my meal and dashed back through the rain, wishing I had Arnold's luck. This winter eve is warm, humid the air, leafless yet soft as spring. It was spring by the calendar alone, with no softness in sight. I got the wiper blades going and turned cautiously back out onto the road, hoping the headlamps would last until I got in. Newbury, Abingdon. Here came I often in old days, too rare, Too rare grow now my visits. Rare indeed. Every time I set out with the firm intention of installing myself as a fixture amongst the stacks in Oxford's ever-blessed libraries, some figurative bomb went off under my feet and hauled me away. Once, a literal bomb. Little more, ifly. The morning singing had long given way to groans of tedium. To keep myself awake... I recited mathematical formulae, irregular verbs, and poetry. Haiku was ideal for the purpose, being both mathematical and poetic. The 575 structure was deceptively simple, which I supposed was why old Basho came up with so many of them on his wanderings. What would the man have produced if he'd been driving through rain? Perhaps... Sweet city of mines, her spire's dream, wrapped in earth's folds, June gilds the lily. Or what about, 
Dark tires splash along, wanting nothing better than a place for the night. I snorted. Matsuo Basho need feel no threat from me. The tires did indeed splash along down the darkening road until the edges of civilization came down to greet me. Much more of this weather and the two Hinkses would again be separated by swamp, despite the efforts of that other poet, Oscar Wilde, during his unlikely road-building days at Maudlin. I noticed, as Matthew Arnold had foretold, that yet more houses had been raised since I last drove this way. The dreaming spires would soon vanish beneath the tide of suburban villas. At Folly Bridge, the heavy raindrops turned to sleet. Grand Pont was all but afloat. Christchurch probably had a lake at its door instead of a meadow. Even the scholar Gypsy would require a roof over his head tonight. The shops on the high were shuttered, the restaurants closing, and only the drinking established.